That scene in which they go outside to smoke a joint and there's a moth that goes over to Ruffalo and then lands on his hand and sits there perfectly. Yeah. And he, like, mid-line, like, studies the moth and then it sods off on the other side of the frame. As if it was trained a to do that. Perfect bit of happenstance. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It feels like the theatre kind of background, doesn't it, of not just the performers but also Lonigan. like, let's yeah. see where this goes. Yeah, let's yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. And they probably did after that. They did a new take because our moth was in shot and then and it's great that they the used it. Like, yes. <laughs> moth. Best supporting moth. Halfway to 100, it's episode 50. As always, guys, we have all the show notes online at flixwatcher.tv for all the episodes, so please come and visit us there. Of course, join us on Twitter at flixwatcherpod, and please come to iTunes, rate us, and subscribe. So all films were available on Netflix at the time recording, guys. There will be spoilers and bad language. You have been warned. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this edition of the Flixwatcher podcast. Today we are joined by Simon and Sam. And they are from the Picture House podcast. Would you like to go say hello and introduce yourselves? Tell us a little bit more about your podcast. Hello, my name is Simon. This is my voice here. And what does your voice sound like, Sam? Well, Simon, my voice sounds like this. <laughs> Don't do an impression of my voice. <laughs> so, yeah, because it's quite similar there. It'll be a we are, I mean, yeah, we decided to record a strictly audio podcast, uh, knowing that we both have very similar voices <laughs> and that we'll primarily be the only two people speaking Perfect. Um, uh, about Perfect. films that we mostly offer and have the same opinion about that's true uh, we do, yeah so we do a weekly review show for picture house cinemas um and we have uh, lots of guests on the show which is nice directors and writers and actors and creative people which is really fun um and yeah it's a it's like a weekly roundup of the best stuff that's showing at picture house um across the land and it's a bit of fun it's just a bit of fun it's just a bit of fun guys is. and i think it's a nice twist because a lot of other podcasts that do stuff, stuff on a weekly basis, they, they kind of review the chart as a whole. But because of the way the pitch house is kind of focused on, you have the big films, but you also have a lot of the smaller independent films. It's yeah. good to see what's playing well Yes, in That's, the pitch house yeah, versus we, what's... We do a little recap of uh, the top five highest grossing films at pitch house cinemas over the last week. So yeah. like, this is what you guys have been going to see, and then we'll do the new releases of the week and then any interviews that we've done uh, in the time it's yeah it's uh it's good fun yeah. we've been doing it for seven, seven years oh really wow so you must have been right at the cusp there of the it film podcast we in, we initially did um the, it was initially the ritzy podcast for just the ritzy in brixton um and then they uh they asked us if we if we wanted to do the marketing people asked us if we wanted to do it for the whole chain and we just said yeah so we'll carry on talking Why not? and, you know, just uh, forcing our opinions on people. That would be exactly. delightful. And they're yet to stop us doing that, which yes. is very, very generous. <laughs> as long as you're enjoying it, then great. That's it, yeah. I mean, do you, do you have, I mean, the picture house cinemas that I've been to are pretty grand venues. Do you have a favourite picture house? Ooh. Are you well, allowed to say? Probably not, but yes. Um, we, <laughs> we, well, for, I mean, I imagine that your answer will be the same as mine, but we lived uh, very close to the Ritzy together for a number of years and it sort of became our spiritual home. Um, and yeah, I would, I'd would i be lying to you if I didn't say that uh, screen one at the Ritzy isn't my favourite screen in the UK. It no, definitely it's, is. It's, it, it, the Ritzy is really special because we did start sort of doing the podcast there yeah. and, uh, and I used to work there. I was a projectionist and I worked for oh, the nice. house for a while. Yeah. And uh, screen one at the Ritzy is a lovely art deco cinema screen. It's well worth 
it's kind of odd going there to see something brand new, like say a Transformers film. Yeah. You're in a, a <laughs> cinema that was built in 1911 yeah. uh, with beautiful Art Deco arches and, and lots of original features there, uh, but then also giant robots kicking the shit out of each other <laughs> on screen. <laughs> My favorite thing I think I saw there was the artist when everybody was so yes. hyped yeah. and it was yeah. sold out good. and it just felt right, you know, like it was absolutely packed. People were like having a great time, lots of laughter. And then the cinema looked like it belonged in the film. That yeah. was a, such a, like, a treat. It was beautiful. I remember that very well. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lovely place. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Pitch House Central. I knew mm. you were going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't it's help. It's a great place. Two years old as of uh, next Saturday. Yeah, and... I absolutely love it. Yeah, Scream One's the best. Atmos, done. Mm. Yeah. Thanks very much. We're talking about... Not cinemas. Not cinemas. <laughs> we're talking about watching stuff at home, but obviously <laughs> we, need, we need to refer back to where you guys come from. But oh, we're talking about glad. the uh, Kenneth Lundgren, Kalo film. Yes. Uh, you Can Count on Me, yes. <laughs> which is your choice, Simon. It so. is my choice. And thank you so much for letting me revisit one of my favourite ever films. Cool. Um, so, yes, I chose uh, You Can Count on Me, which is written and directed by Kenneth Lonergan. Uh, from the, what I, I, this is how I like to refer to it, you can count on me. I like to call it, from the writer of Analyze This, yeah. The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, and one episode of Doug <laughs> comes, you can count on me. And like, I, uh, Kenneth Onigan is a very interesting and multifaceted man. Um, he is a playwright by trade who then transferred to the silver screen. He's sort of had like four or five hit plays, um, and this is uh, the first of his three films. And to give you a quick synopsis, it's a funny one to try and sum up, really, because it's sort of uh, a film that doesn't... It sort of defies synopsis. I mean, it's it's the story of a, um, a brother and a sister. Um, the sister, Sammy, played by uh, Laura Linney, uh, has lived in her hometown all her life. She's mid-30s and lives with her eight-year-old son, Rudy. And her sort of semi-estranged brother, um, played by Mark Ruffalo, comes back to uh, to stay uh, under the pretense that he uh, just wants to spend some time with her and her son. He's actually run into a bit of trouble and he uh, wants some uh, to ask her for some money. Um, and he ends up staying a bit longer than anticipated. And the film is about the relationships between the two of them and her son, Rudy, and uh, a few other key players in the town. And uh, I truly, truly think it's one of my 100% favourite films. I think um, I think Lonigan's a bit of a master. Um, he's made three films in 17 years, and uh, I think they're all absolutely exceptional and like three of the best films um and i the reason the main reason i chose this film is that I, it feels to me like it's a little hidden gem you'd never i mean netflix are uh, habitually terrible at marketing their own uh material and everything that's on their website but i think that uh so, so it's i think it's important to highlight films like you can count on me which i think is a work of <laughs> astonishing greatness and that just sits there and I think that's a, I mean, that's maybe part of a larger discussion about Netflix, but like, <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting um, that these little hidden gems are there. And like, that's the great thing about your podcast is that uh, that's what this that's is. Why we, that's why I bring people like you to unpick uh, and very get the pickaxes out and, and unearth these gems. Because yeah. I've never heard of this before. I'd seen Manchester by the Sea. Right. Um, looking back at Kalo's um, oeuvre, I've seen 
Well, he he wrote Gangs of New York, for example. He did. Um, so I haven't seen it. I saw the cinema, loved it at the time. But I haven't yeah. seen it since then. But he's he's been the opposite of prolific. Yes. Uh, in the same way as like Tom Ford and Patty Jenkins, I guess. Sure, they take their time. Yeah, and that's and that's actually fine because the on the flip side is like Woody Allen. Where sure, you're chucking like, one out one a year, yeah. and, and the quality is of, uh, <laughs> of well, it's certainly very mixed. I mean, yeah, and then so then. Yeah, if you take something, if you take someone like Woody Allen, then Allen's what, like, what was his last good film? Blue Jasmine, and then before that, what? Uh, Midnight in Paris. Yeah. Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we talked about Manhattan. Like, there, mix, mix, yeah, mixed thoughts in that here, didn't we? If you've not revisited it in a while, then. Mm, I've yeah, not. Some of the sexual politics just, might be. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I can't be bothered. <laughs> I just can't be bothered. Uh, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a really interesting film, especially, I don't know how you, have you seen, have you guys seen Margaret? I haven't seen Margaret, no. So Margaret is an interesting one as well. Um, but I was trying to imagine what the experience might be like to have seen Manchester by the Sea mm. and then watch You Can Count On Me afterwards because there are so many things that cross over there, like um, the way he used the camera and the use of music and even just things like fishing yeah. um and like various bits and pieces that and you know human frailty and fragility and broken people and uh matthew broderick and matthew broderick who is also in margaret and yeah he's, oh, in, he's Mar- a lucky charm oh, he's okay. he's from kalo i love that kalo is happening yes <laughs> it's important uh, to make it happen he's from his theater days and i think they yeah. are matthew personal broderick friends is. uh yeah him, yeah. him oh, kalo okay. uh m m broderick embro embro, embro and kalo <laughs> They uh, they it's used to right. head up. This, this the, is where it starts, guys. No, they're, they're friends outside of work, and and I think they've they've worked together in theatre. Yeah. So they've it's kind of nice that he's been there in a very small role in Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, see a much bigger role here, and in Margaret, he's I don't know somewhere in in, in between. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's but a, obviously, with this one, with with uh, I'm pointing at a screen that the listeners can't hear. <laughs> but where you can count on me, obviously Matthew Broderick is there for financing because the yeah. film stars Mark Ruffalo mm. uh, and Laura Linney, and Mark Ruffalo at the time wasn't in any of the Avengers yet. No, uh, it was one of his first like properly good films that you'd actually want to go and see. He did a lot of genre films, sequels, TV shows and things before this. Um, And lots of theatre work as well. And I think they met through the stage. Yeah. Uh, But this is is probably his first good film. So he's such a huge star. What kind of thing was Ruffler doing? Because the first film that came, Uh, for me, that came onto his radar was, uh, came onto my radar was The Kids Were All Right. Oh, wow. Sure, right. Um, and that was about five years after You Can Count On Me. Right. Christ, so. what is early Ruffalo? What's pre... What's it, 20th honestly, century he was Ruffalo? In, it was like television shows, like right. sequels to horror movies. Um, I think he maybe did something that looked half decent before this, maybe two years right. before this film, but this seems to be the one. And this was uh, the little... got him noticed, and of little, course it did, because he's great in it. Yeah, <laughs> the little Sundance film that propelled him and uh, Kenneth to bigger things. I mean, even Linny wasn't at... A bankable kind of uh, character at that point. No, I mean, no, she, uh, I mean, there were she bits She had done the Truman Show, hadn't she? Uh, or was it about the same time? Yeah, it's time? pretty Did much the same yeah. Yeah, time. I mean, but there's, you know, she'd done Primal Fear and Congo. So, like, she, I mean, she was on the... Kinsey as well. On the up, yeah. Well, K- Kinsey's a few years afterwards, but um, but still cracking, I think. Yeah. Um, and I really love, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the key thing for for me in this i mean i I think that lonergan is a a really great guy but um it's linny that makes this sell for me um i think she's just astonishing i I love honestly everything about her performance it's difficult to not sound try to sound too hyperbolic about it but i think (laughs) she um 
there's such a, a strength and a conviction to her performance. Um, and all the while you can feel her and the character trying to uh, sort of facilitate this strong sheen even though things are collapsing and crumbling and she's not on uh, the strongest of foundations beneath all that and uh, yeah I think she's uh, I think she's a marvel I'm really deeply in love with her <laughs> she's Helen what, what are your thoughts and you can count you haven't seen Manchester by the Sea I haven't no but this has been on sort of the the list for a while because obviously Mark Ruffalo uh, who who doesn't love Mark Ruffalo yeah really? sure um so this was, and obviously Laura Linney as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. It is two great performances, you know. By when they were, they have done greater and more different and wider performances, but mm. it just feels very real and not saying it, that obviously his experience is very stagey. It doesn't feel stagey no. at any point. And even though it kind of it should be miserable, but it's not because they bring such energy and they're two characters who things aren't going right and, you know, there's not really a resolution at the end either. So it's just kind of like a snapshot into their life at one particular time that's obviously been influenced by something that happened a long, long time ago that's still with them. Mm. And you're just kind of looking into those few weeks that he's there and then he goes away and you're just left to think, well, what's going to happen? Yeah. To both of them, really, because mm. they both had such an intense time there, which is obviously going to then shape what happens in the next time as well. Yeah, I think I, I I totally agree. I feel that the film, the the sort of the beauty of the film is that we've all seen films about small town middle class America that are sort of that are sort of vaguely like humdrum and drab and uh, and sort of do the same sort of plodding things and, and with an eventual dramatic resolution. And what this, uh, what this film has to its advantage is total 100% emotional authenticity. These are real people that feel like real people. Like this, yeah. it just feels like real life. I, and I, I, I buy it. I totally wholesale buy it. Um, I think you don't get films like that very often. I think Ruffalo plays this kind of character really, really well. Mm. And the last film, is, I mean, outside of the Hulk side of things um his character in spotlight sure. have you seen that sure where he just plays that he seems like just a plodding he's just a plodding research journalist going from place to place and there's that one scene where he really kind of just unleashes his kind of fear and yeah. anger and everything the oscar moment the oscar moment yeah mm. yeah it's just kind of asterisk this is your oscar moment mark yeah, exactly close close asterisk. it is 100 percent that um but it's, it's understated but powerful, I think, how, how he sure. plays these kind of roles. and it's, it's quite, I think, yeah, in Spotlight especially, it's quite an affected performance. It's the same with Foxcatcher as well. There's, yes, there's Foxcatcher, quite a lot yeah, there. I think this is my... Uh, for, for this, I mean, you'll be unsurprised to learn that this is my career best for Ruffalo because <laughs> I think it's, it's sort of like... It's, it's, it's like... It's almost an unaffected performance and I think that he has become a, a little more affected with, with age yeah. and I like seeing sort of early ready-salted... Ruffalo, before we get the mad stuff later on. It's, it's second place dancing in his pants it's with <laughs> Kirsten Dunst, which is up there in my favourites. Yeah, it's certainly up there. It's a film I've never heard of. Oh, mate. Is it? 
mean, <laughs> it's a total sunshine of the spotless yeah. mind. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Oh, he did that before this. That was the one thing uh, he did before. Yes, of course. Uh, that was the little film I forgot. That I was yeah. the first thing <laughs> I saw him in. Another sundown. Because yeah. some of these films you need to rewatch again to re, you know, reacquaint when the first time you met people. Because when you talked about Truman Show, I'd forgotten that Laura Linney was in Truman Show. But right. that film so wasn't about her in any way, shape, or form. And, right. and same with Spotless Mind. It just wasn't. It wasn't about Ruffalo. It wasn't about Kirsten Dunst's. When Jim Carrey is in the film like that, and it's centered on him, it's not about anyone else that's in that film. Mm. Um, but I, I need. I to think we were watching that. it in different ways because <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> I remember Kirsten Dunst in pants and and uh, <laughs> and, and Ace Ventura. Um, but I think we need. Yeah, I think I need to watch it again because it's. I remember loving it. But I've only seen it once and I thought it was just an excellent film and just thought that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many others. Um, the Kids Are All Right is yeah, great brilliant. as well. Yeah, it's good. He's, he's kind of like an, an maybe an older version of this character mm. who's got a little bit more leery about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, he's a very he's a very talented man. Um, and yeah, I just... Um, there's, again, almost every character in this film has a, a underlying fragility to them in fact the Ruffalo character is the the one uh where that uh vulnerability is most on the surface and uh he just plays it so beautifully um yeah it's it's heaven heaven this was- film also features uh something that Kenneth Lonergan is very good at which is finding new talent and this has Rory Culkin yeah. brother of Macaulay yeah. in his feature film debut and, yeah. and Rory hasn't had the same career or life as Macaulay which may be a good thing <laughs> but he is a he's like regularly in very good films he was in a few years ago a feature film debut uh called Electric Children where he had a lead role uh, oh, yeah. uh, opposite yeah, it's the yeah. film that launched a actress called Julia Garner, um, his career. And he was more, most recently in Wiener Dog, the new Todd Salon's oh, okay. film. And playing, like, even though in this film he must be about eight or something, in Wiener Dog it feels like he's basically playing the same character. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this film put him That's on the true. map. And, and, and in Manchester by the Sea, Kenneth Lonergan uh, has a, they, there's a child actor in that who's very good. Yeah. And in Margaret, he filmed it so long ago, Anna Paquin yeah. was basically still a child. <laughs> it just really took was. seven years to actually be released. Yeah. <laughs> uh, endless legal battles with Fox. That was a, a real nightmare. Um, but yeah, she's, I mean, what the... The Quinn character in Margaret's 17, 16? I mean, yes. I, and I imagine she's slightly older than the character that she's playing. But um, She's in yeah. high school, isn't she? The whole thing is about her being in high school. Yep. But the film was released when she was also in a new X-Men film where she plays That's a right. much older character. It's yeah. very odd uh, to get your head around. It was a bit of a time warp <laughs> when that came out in 2011. It was, it was a strange feeling. But yeah, to see his second film 11 years after the first one was a bit of a thrill, certainly, yeah. I think Rory Culkin was actually one of the stars of this as well. Mm. Um, very... As a child actor as well, he held it really well. Absolutely. There's no there's no kind of obvious hamminess and no. I think it just kind of flowed really well from him. Yeah. Um and you can see him hanging out with his uncle. I think the yeah. scenes that are played out there, just you know, working alongside his, his uncle in the uh, next to the building and playing pool with him and you it's know, a lying, lovely scene. lying to your lying to your mum. Yeah. I'll try not to be a broken record, but it does it does feel totally real. Like we've all had those, you know, when they're when they're coming home from the bar and uh, they're trying to sort of rush in before mum gets back and like we've all had moments like that and and they're played with such authenticity um yeah it's a funny film to try and sum up but i think uh i think the, the, can i read you something very quickly from a us critic called david edelstein which who i think does a really really great job of articulating what i'm trying to articulate can i read it it'll take Absolutely, me yeah. 10 seconds so david edelstein called this film the best american movie of the year 
noting that what the film is about can't be summed up in a line. Its themes remain just out of reach, its major conflicts sadly unresolved. But Lonergan writes bottomless dialogue. When his people open their mouths, what comes out is never a definitive expression of character. It's an awkward compromise between how they feel and what they're able to say, or how they feel and what they think they should say, or how they feel and what will best best conceal how they feel. The common term for this is subtext, and you can count on me as a subtext so powerful that it reaches out and pulls you under. And that's honestly how I feel about it. I think um, I think it's such a uh, a subtle and complex and moving film that feels to be on the surface not taxing in the slightest, but what you're actually experiencing is something quite rich and of high quality. I think it's just so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so cool. Yeah. I mean, we were discussing before we started recording that if you've ever sort of looked at the cover for the DVD or sort of seen the poster for yeah, it's it, lame. I mean, the poster is lame, and I'm I'm not a big fan of the title either. I'd... No, although can we talk about the title though, because I, uh, I, I so I, so we, <laughs> you know those moments in uh, in films when the title turns up and it's a total nightmare and it's set by one of the characters. Yeah. So I have a flatmate and. We call those moments bell moments, and we have a bell next to our television, and we ring the bell every time the, uh, the character says anything. Yeah. And what I love about You Can Count On Me is that it is one of cinema's only examples of the anti-bell moment, which is, you know, the, I'm sure you remember the last uh, exchange of dialogue on the bus station. Uh, obviously, the, the film title has never turned up in the film. And uh, Mark Ruffalo says, you remember what we said to each other when we were kids and Laura Linney says yes of course I'll never forget and that's the last and we know that it's the title of the film but it's beautifully unspoken so you can't ring the bell you cannot (laughs) ring the bell Um, and I yeah I love that I I love that moment so much but yeah it's a bad title it's such a lame like Maeve Binchy sort of title yeah Yeah. and as we were saying that if you don't know what it's about it does look like kind of a weird romantic comedy drama between them which is nothing at all like it is and i don't know it's just it's just weird they need to redesign it i think yeah it's it's bad marketing but i mean how the hell do you sell that film i mean that's what i was thinking how how did this kind of get made in the first place take someone who's seen the film to say to a friend who you know will like this kind of film to say you should watch you can counter me because i don't know i'm i can't remember at all if netflix presented to me this to me as a choice right um but had it come up with the images we see here, I probably would have thought, no, I don't see why. Yeah, it looks uh, like a lame best friend comedy where like, yeah, one exactly. of them probably gets a terminal illness and then like after, shuffles off. After I watched this, then the uh, other films that were presented to me included What's Your Number, the Anna Faris uh, kind of film. So that would have kind of fallen in that kind yeah, of... Yeah, no thanks. That radar wow. of... How did that work? Come on, Netflix. Yeah, come on. <laughs> sort your algorithms out, pal. Those algorithms. <laughs> yeah, it's nightmarish. But um, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, in terms of getting it made in the first place, Lonergan was the sort of toast of the New York theatre scene in the yeah. 90s. And like, This Is Our Youth, which was his first major play, um, uh, won some key awards. And, uh, and then he just... He made a friend in Scorsese and he made a friend in Anthony Minghella. Yeah, and he, Scorsese's exact producer on this isn't yeah he? and, and Mingella on um on margaret um and yeah they've just um he was you know he'd had this in his 
back pocket for a while and tashed it around the studios and and that was that. Um, I'm sure it would have been made for very little money as well. And yeah, fuck all. It's not a, no, it's not a risk for a studio no. at all. And they'd know it's a Sundance thing going in. Yeah. And, and and that's what it was. And uh, I think it won two awards at Sundance. And then uh, as Kismet, which is nice. Um, you can count on me. Was nominated for two Oscars: yep. screenplay for Lonergan and Laura Linney. Uh, Linney for actress, and then didn't win either. But then Manchester won two Oscars, which were screenplay and actor. Actor, yeah. which is a shame. But um, <laughs> I mean, the fact that Lucas it's Hedges athletic. isn't the recipient of that uh, best supporting is. Uh, is a madness as far as I'm concerned. I think it's one of the best. Best part of Manchester by the Sea. Oh, yeah. In, in a, absolutely. I mean, one of the best supporting performances in memory, I think. I think it's amazing. Also, another common theme, uh, people crying on beds in both of those films. In all three of those films, people sitting on a bed and having a cry or having a little breakdown. Love to cry on a bed. Well, let's, see if, we, bed. let's see if that's a recurring theme in the, in the, <laughs> in the oeuvre of... Out of Kalo. <laughs> um, um, I've just cracked the Netflix algorithm. Oh, yeah. Okay, old, I was, I was doing a really you wonderful speech uh, about <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the accolades of Lonergan. Sorry, yeah, so you said it was What's Your Number, which is the Anna Faris rom com, which yeah. also stars a fellow Avenger, Chris, Chris Evans, Evans. Yeah. and uh, and oh, actually has a cameo from Chris Pratt, who later is in Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's like Netflix was like, you like seeing Marvel superheroes uh, out clever. of their costumes, <laughs> Kobe. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's, that's definitely that's, it. That's that actually it. right. Yeah, yeah, probably right. Yeah, you've smashed it. Sorry, I missed what Simon said there, was it? <laughs> no, it was boring. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. I'd like to talk a bit about Matthew Broderick's character in this. Yes, let's talk about um, Broderick. Ferris Bueller is my, the one I go online saying is my favourite film. So okay. it's, it's always interesting seeing yeah, yeah, yeah. him play against type as a... yeah. And in all and in, in Manchester by the Sea, he plays a bit of a dick. Mm. Uh, in this, he plays... A massive dick, but very, very fragile. Yeah, but well drawn out character. Because if if they if they simply if she simply had an affair with with Brian Matthew Matthew Brothers' character, it would have been kind of a flat thing. I would have been kind of pissed off with it. But you kind of see how well drawn out and hope helpless he is as a person. He's kind of really sure. pathetic, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complaining yeah. about people's screens, complaining about. You know, leave, someone leaving for fifteen minutes to go and drop the kid off at the at the childminder, which is kind of like, dude, what are you what are you playing at? Mm. Um, it's a little bit like his role in Election. Sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's watching this. He's having a lot of fun. Yeah. You can just tell. Definitely. I think people kind of write him off a little bit and forget that you know his performances are actually really good. Yeah, he's great. And he manages to kind of bring a bit of humanity to characters that are not necessarily likable, but they're they're kind of trying to be and they're trying to do the right thing all the time, but things mm. don't quite work out for them. Yes, absolutely. And and the thing that I really love, especially about the character of Brian, is that he's only there to serve the character of Sammy. That's yeah. literally his whole purpose. I love I love the use of sexuality in this film. Like, how many times do we get to see a woman in her mid thirties with an eight year old son get to uh, enjoy her awesome sex sex life without shame or judgment. No. It's, she's literally just living her life and making her choices, and I love that stuff. Like it's the only reason that he's there. It's the only reason that Bob is there. You know, it's and um, she and she has the conversation with the with the Reverend at the time. Yeah, who's played by Kenneth Lonergan. Played yeah. by Kalo. Yeah. Great performance. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really fantastic. Good. Yeah. Just and those two scenes. Um, yeah, he's really wonderful. And she she shouts at him saying, "No, it's not." You know. 
you know, it's up to me to do what I want to do. It yes. shouldn't be if it's a sin. It should be. I I can't I can't phrase it at all. No, I know what you mean. Um, but it was th- that that kind of turnout, that kind of head to head was on her terms. It wasn't mm. it wasn't Kayla's character saying you are really bad. You're doing this wrong thing. Yeah. Um, by having sex with people who are married and sure. out of, out of wedlock and stuff like that. So it was a really kind of interesting take on on that. And she wasn't being vindicated for it um she wasn't being abused for it It it's just this is me this is what i'm doing and she felt kind of bad for it but at the same time was kind of like well you know this is how it is and i'm gonna live my life and and quesarra sarra yeah it's smart and authentic people have affairs it happens all the time and we it's it's so strange that cinema can be so prudish about these things and i love it when it when it's not and you get something that feels real and she wasn't that remorseful about it I fucked my boss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can we talk about that scene and the best supporting moth? Oh my god. Best supporting moth. Oh, the moth. <laughs> I mean, that scene in which she uh, they go outside to smoke a joint and uh, as she com- confesses, it's not a confession, she tells her brother that she uh, fucked her boss. There's a moth that uh, sort of cycles into shot. Not on a bike, and uh, <laughs> and like flirts with Laura Linney a little bit, sort of like flirts around her, and then goes over to Ruffalo, and then lands on his hand and sits there perfectly. Yeah, and he like midline like studies the moth, and then it sods off on the other side of the frame, and it's just as if it was trained to do that. Perfect bit of happenstance. Yeah. it's so beautiful. Um, so I. I'd forgotten about that moth, and uh, every time I watch that film, and I've seen it a lot, every time I watch that film, I'm struck by it. So I went back and I watched, I watched the moth scene again, and that that I mean the 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 moth shot is just like a simple two shot, but it doesn't cut. But the establishing shot of that scene is from behind them, and so we see just the 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 backs of them and the uh, the stars above them, and in that establishing shot. A moth, the moth, a moth. <laughs> or the moth stunt it double. Might, exactly, you don't know. or the stunt double, like, floats across the screen. So, what I want to know is, <laughs> is, like, Kenneth Lonergan sitting, sitting, like, sitting just out of shot, like, chucking moths into, <laughs> into the frame to get this great moth moment? Or is it just, like, a mothy area? What's going on here? Well, How do we find out? I do remember seeing that, and I just thought it was quite a cool thing, because it kind of looked like he was batting it away, but then he, he caught it on his... On his yeah. finger, just kind of thought, oh, that's quite nice. And it and sits there, and, and it sits there, like and neither of them break, no. and like the dialogue just keeps flowing, and yeah. like God, it, yeah, it, it's like another thing that contributes to the total authenticity of the drama, and just yeah, that feels like the theatre kind of background, doesn't it? Of not just the performers, but also Lonigan. Like, let's yeah. see where this goes. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. And they probably did after that. They did a new take because our moth was in shot, and then and it's then great that they used they it. Like, yes, <laughs> moth. Best supporting moth. Yeah, you can probably see other raptors going, there's a moth here, I can see a moth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's like, in my eye line, can you just, can we, we need to stop this shit now because... No, not Lenny and Ruffalo. Like, yeah. <laughs> professionals. <laughs> keep on at it. Forget it. Yeah, definitely. Right, should we go on to the scores? Yes. So first up, we have the recommendability score. These are all out of five. Okay. So how much would you recommend this to someone? And we'll start with you, as it's your film. Oh, thank you. I mean, you're not going to be surprised (laughs) by by my score. I've spent the last... Oh, I didn't see it in the year 2000, actually. Um, I didn't see it until 2005. 
but I have spent the last 12 years recommending this film to people. Um, and yeah, I mean, it has to be a five. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. It's one of my favorite films. Five. So five. when, when you first went on Netflix, we, do you kind of test it every now and again to see what kind of films it has on there to see if it's, um, do I? Yes, I suppose I do. I do use it a lot. I mean, almost daily. Um, but yes, I, uh, yeah, no, I certainly do. Um, I I like to I like to test it by actor actually. I really like doing it by performer and just mm. seeing, you know, even like Linny and seeing like, oh, I wonder if they've got the nanny diaries. I wonder if they've got Lorenzo's oil. Yeah, I to, like, <laughs> and it's unlikely. But sometimes you get a Congo. So sometimes you know you can luck out there. You nearly retracted this choice, didn't you? Yeah, in I the nearly, early days yeah. you picked it and then. You said you weren't, you, you weren't you, sure. You, you were this questioning it, and Did then I, I, that isn't five recommendation if you're going to no, retract because, your choice. No, well, that's true. I know what you mean. Oh God! Did I tell you what I was going to uh, choose instead? Maybe I don't, I'd already got my heart set on watching this. So okay. I was like, no, we're having that. No, fair enough. Oh God! What was I going to? I can't remember what. If I can remember, uh, I'll I'll let you know. Shit, so it was a deliberation type of thing. Yeah, I just I couldn't. I think I was going to go for something a bit more schlocky. And then I was like, no, follow your heart. Good. Follow your heart. Sam. Oh, it's going to be really boring if we give the same score. So I think I want to just torpedo it by saying one. one. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. No, but it is, uh, I, mean, he, I mean, Simon's right to recommend it because uh, I think uh, for a couple of things, Manchester by the Sea was such a big hit. Yeah, And sure. Margaret was criminally underscreened, the second feature. It actually opened in only one venue in the whole of the UK, uh, the Odeon in Panton Street, because Fox were trying to bury it because it cost them so much money yeah. uh, after all the legal battles Jeez. and re-editing and stuff. So they sort of like, hate released it in one cinema can I, can I just say that that Odin in Panton Street I think is a fantastic cinema in London it's very curious <laughs> the programming there is actually really diverse it's, it's really, really yeah. eclectic yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can see anything there it's where yeah. everybody's trying to dump their movie if it's nowhere else it's, it's at the Panton there. Street it's, it's so bizarre yeah. isn't it yeah, it's a funny little literally sign. you can see it from Leicester Square it's like wave hi yeah, yeah. it's a little wave. shed it's a weird little place. It's, it's good great, because though. when they talk to people, they can say, I work in the Odeon on Leicester Square. And then yeah. people turn up at the big one and like, no, no, the, <laughs> no, the, the other the one. Panton the one. one. It's, it's actually slightly off Leicester Square. Uh, okay, it's on Panton Street. Um, but uh, but I think because Lonergan has, has got so big, especially with winning the uh, the Oscars this year and, and, and things, I think people it's important for people to see where someone started and to see, uh, come closer, uh, to see... To see how people have sort of progressed, but also the themes that run through his work. And this has got a lot of similarities with Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. And oh, maybe yeah. it does actually does some of them better. So so it's a five. Ah! <laughs> He's gone five. Go big or go home or just choose a different number. By the way, you can go to decimal places. Okay, oh. that's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. Helen. Oh, I'm going to join the five club as oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah. Sweet. I mean, it's, yes. it was made in 2000 and it doesn't feel... That it was made that that's, but it's got a very aim, other than the phones, other than they don't have mobile phones. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that really and, ages it. And the computer screens in the bank. Oh yeah, banks, yes, of course. I'm pretty sure a lot of banks still have computers. <laughs> that's like that. true. Yeah. Yeah. I bet banks have outdated computers. But yeah, the fact that like Linny and Broderick can't text each other, and yeah. like she has to like call up his home, and then his wife picks yeah, up yeah. like, oh, okay, we're in the past. We're totally yeah, in the proper past. old school answer phones with the tapes <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm going to go four, I think. Fair enough, mate. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. Very good. I I think I prefer Manchester by the Sea to this. I was kind of I was kind of thinking there's going to be one core 
thing that happens. Right. That the dramatic chair, yeah. the dramatic high without ruining anything of yeah. Manchester by the Sea the is definitely of, higher than it is in than uh, it is in this. In you can count and, on me. And there's, there's, I think true. there's a couple of standout scenes where you just kind of like, oh. Mm. And but I think in in this it was really it's just just how they played it together, and I really love yeah. low key, well acted uh, films. But I think that's will make it hard to recommend to some people. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, and that's why. If someone recommends me, I think fantastic. Cheers, and thank you very much for doing so. But it's my absolute pleasure. There'll be people I think would just be bored to tears by yeah. by this. And, and those this. people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, repeat viewing. I think. Well, you've said you've watched it many times already. I, I have seen it a lot, um, and uh, I think that it is uh, emotionally rich and dense, and uh, the moth scene never gets old. I mean, I was repeat viewing it while I was repeat viewing it. Like I had to go back a scene and watch the moth again. That's a repeat view within a repeat view. Um, it's not like the sort of thing that I would stick on while I was doing a. Um, some emailing or anything. It's not like an every six month there. But it is certainly something that I have seen a lot of times and I think it does... I mean, I'm probably watch. I'm ending up watching it sort of every 18 months or so, which is quite... I think uh, in this day and age, that's very, very yeah. frequent, actually. Yes, yeah, seeing as choices so um, uh, diverse currently. So I'd say... Um, what will I go for and repeat? I, I mean, like, yeah, I do. I do watch it fairly often, so I'm going to say a solid four for repeat viewing from this guy. I think you're right. You, it's, you have to be in the right frame of mind yeah. to watch it. It's, it's not like a, let's all come over to ours, we'll have some beers, <laughs> let's put on. You can count on me. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. But uh, but when you do revisit it, it does reward. So it's you've seen it's it a couple kind of times. Of, right? uh, this is my second time. Right. But I watched it only very recently for the first time because it was on Netflix and I'd seen Manchester by the Sea and mm. I loved Margaret and I was like, I should probably complete the trilogy, yeah. the old Kalo trilogy. Yeah. And <laughs> it does it does hold up to uh, a second watch in only six months okay. uh, or, or so between it. But again, you do have to be in the right frame of mind. So it would be like, a co- it isn't like an obvious rewatch, but when, when you go there, it does reward you. So it's kind of hard to rate, I guess, because you know a rewatch will probably yeah. be enjoyable, but actually you have to kind of pluck up the courage to get to it. Sure. So maybe it's like a 3.5 for a rewatch. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not going to stay on repeat. Yeah. It's not going to be on the cycle. Mm. Well, this is a first time for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I would watch it again. I don't know how soon I'd watch it again, but mm. um, just for the Ruffalo factor, really. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to join you on the three there. Sounds about right. Absolutely, it? would watch it again. Not sure when. Um, and it's probably something I think I'd probably have to think. It'll probably just come up in my mind that oh, I've not seen that for a while, or it comes up in an, in, a, in an article and think, yeah, I've not seen that for a while. I should maybe schedule it in. Maybe when uh, the next time we get a Kenneth Lonergan film in ten years' time, yeah, you'll be like, oh, well, she can get <laughs> on me again if it's still on. Yeah, Netflix. let's kind of tr- make that uh, round out that quadrilogy. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, small screen score. So, how well does this work on a small screen? Do you do you feel the need to watch this in the cinema, uh, or do you, you know? Right, I see. Yes. Well, um, I didn't see this uh, film on its um, initial theatrical release in in two thousand, um, and thus I've only I've only, and I've only ever seen it on the small screen. Mm. Um, but I think uh, it feels like the sort of thing that has made a good transition to it. I mean, like 
if one was being ungenerous, one might say that it's shot like an episode of Gilmore Girls. But um, I don't. But I think there's there's more to it than that. Um, but yeah, and I think it's I think it's perfect for the small screen. It's like a small homespun yeah. drama. So like, um, yeah, I don't quite know how to score that. But so like, that's, that's what seems like it's quite a high small screen. Score. Okay, yeah. so like, yeah, maybe like a four point five. Four point five. Oops. Okay. Uh, Sam. I think Simon gave a good score. He was like, it's a great home watch, but I still respect that the the, the, the need to be in the cinema. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I think, I, I, yeah, I guess it's it's a tricky one because it's not like you need to see it because the explosions look cool on, in, on the big screen. Mm, but I, I guess if you did watch it on the cinema screen, maybe it would be more immersive. Maybe you would receive fewer text messages and, and whatnot. Sure. But, uh, a, a lot of people probably never saw this at the cinema because I reckon it had such a tiny, tiny release. It was probably an Odeon Panton Street <laughs> for a week or so. Yeah, but and it was. So it's a film which is probably like Netflix is perfect for this film because it is a real discovery film after probably a very tiny uh, initial release. But as all of the people involved have got bigger, yeah, um, they will seek it out. They'll be recommended it on the the old Netflix algorithm. So there will be a lot of people doing as as you do, Simon. Say, yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, see yeah, we, see what this cat produced and yeah. especially since things like spotlight mm, where sure, you can see sure. him in the hulk and then he's in spotlight so people who look for ruffalo can see that he has got more of a range to him completest absolutely he's got he's been the biggest film franchise in the world in, in the avengers and and there's lots of fans who just love him because of that but i reckon if they do sort of wander down his previous you know movies they'll probably really enjoy them yeah. and i think this is an excellent recommendation so it's kind of feels perfect for something like netflix and mm. it works really well on the small screen i had a really great time watching it like I don't know. Yeah, maybe four point five as well. It's a right. decent transfer as well. I was expecting because mm. um, there's no um, there's no uh, you can count me Blu-ray. Mm. Um, so uh, and the oh, there's the, no Blu-ray. No, the DVD oh, okay. transfers have always looked like shit. Mm. So, um, but the but what we've got on Netflix is is better than I've got two DVD copies of it and oh, wow. it's better than either of those. So it was genuinely really refreshing to see like. It's in the best quality I've ever seen it in. See that moth in the crystal yes. clear yes. quality for the first back. time. <laughs> yes. I do love that about Netflix. They often have, because they can source copies from all around the world, and there's no one may have licensed a Blu-ray, but it might have a DVD here, and, and you can often get better quality versions of the films on Netflix. Oh, good. Mm. Uh, I think Margaret was the same. There's only a DVD of Margaret, but yeah. when Margaret was briefly on Netflix, I don't think it's on there anymore. No, um, it's that not. was in full HD. Uh, the only place to see it. I rewatched Margaret today because I was just thinking about uh, having rewatched. You can count me yesterday. I was like, yeah, I'll give Margaret another go. Why not, Helen? Oh, I'm going to give it a five. Yeah. Um, I'm going to drop it. Not going to drop it anywhere. I mean, again, exactly what you've all said. It is a real Netflix discovery. It's one of those that you might have skipped over um, just because it looks a bit odd and you're not quite sure what it's about. But you should definitely investigate it. And yep, just watching it on your laptop or on your TV is, you know, the perfect environment. It works really well. Yeah. I think I'm going to get 4.75. Oh, very strong. Yeah. I think it's... I don't think I need to watch it in the cinema, but there were some uh, soundtrack moments which I... Mm. I can't remember. I can't remember what they were. Just kind of fanfares in places. Yeah, it's a bit of bark and a bit of handle and yeah. all that sort of gubbins. It's nice to hear in a big room. It'd be nice in the yeah. I yeah. say screen one, picture mm. central Oof, atmos. Can you imagine? Oof, lovely. That's it. Lonergan likes to use classical pieces, doesn't he? he? Quite a lot. Does. It certainly does. It's Another, all there. Uh, He's the just making the same film time after time after time. <laughs> Kenneth Lonergan's made his film again, has he? <laughs> uh, engagement score, Simon. So this, I am assuming, is like engagement, as in like not looking at your phone even though you're at home and Absolutely. you're not in a cinema 
Well, I would say that this is a gentle film, and as such, it. I mean, this is not a you know a mile a minute thriller, so you're not going to be uh, necessarily like sitting on the edge of your seat. But I do think that uh, it's. Uh, I do think that it is engaging in a in a specific way. If you like, I would watch this film if I was uh, relaxing, or if I was, I, as you said, like I'm not. You're not going to get everyone around on a Friday night to watch. You can count on me, although I might. But most people are not going to do that. And uh, I think, yeah, I think if you allow yourself to engage with it early on then i think the engagement level is potentially reasonably high but i fully understand that people might be lulled into a sense of like phone checking or whatever um so i think i might go in the middle i might go like i might go like 3.8 sure Sam. Fun to do those decimal points. <laughs> really enjoying it. Yeah, the decimals have really come mm. into play. We were all a bit nervous on the first one. <laughs> we're really going for it with the, with the decimals. Yeah. yeah, I think you have to... You have to, And that's the thing, I guess, when watching stuff on Netflix, you have to be very considerate of, like, you know, who else is in the room? What else is going on? Will you be distracted? Uh, you know, like, that, that kind of thing. Will the other person hate what I'm going to watch? Yeah. I feel like if you put this on and someone else just sort of like was like, what are you watching? What are you watching? I'll just sit down and watch it. I think you could accidentally watch the whole film yes, and have a really good time. Uh, because I think the characters are so appealing and it is such a, like, a beautiful reality to be in for mm. like two hours or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go four on engagement. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, I think once you're in, you're in. I'm going to go for four as well. It's Nothing kind of really happens in it, so it no. doesn't have that kind of tension all the way through it which is is not a it's not a bad point of it but it does mean that you you may sort of be sort of distracted by the moth and then start thinking about moths a bit um i mean i did look at my phone a, a little bit and answer a few messages but my sure. friend is due to have a baby so i was finding out that's your reason yeah, Fair that's it, but yeah for, for. You, if you i mean I, I don't see why there's any reason why you'd start watching it and not kind of stick with it because they are so engaging and as the length we've already discussed um before we start recording, you know, it's it's nearly two hours, but it doesn't feel like no. that. It's not it's not no. a slog. It's not a torturous time yeah. spent with them. I'm going to go a bit lower with engagement score here than you guys. I think I'm going to go around the three mark, and I can I think it kind of also almost ties in with the repeat viewing score side of things, whereby you have to be. I could see myself starting watching it and then thinking, actually not right now, and kind of yeah, diving yeah. out. But I think when you're in there, you're kind of locked. You are locked in, and you want to you want to pass the time and there's not much phone checking or I mean my wife came in through halfway through and I was quite happy to stop it and have the, the kind of a chat and then she went away and I started watching again mm. um so that yeah that equates to about three I think three three for this yeah. engagement score um and that's an overall score and a 4.13 which is that's quite strong that yeah, is yeah, yeah. very strong really score strong there. um oh, it's a very strong film it's very, it's a very uh, that superb moth supporting. I mean, <laughs> best supporting moth. I was t I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about the best supporting moth, and she was like, "Yeah, but is the best supporting moth the one that went on the footballer's face? Who was it? Ronaldo? I don't know who it was. Remember <laughs> the moth on the yeah, footballer's face? Yeah, Mothgate. Yeah, yeah, another great supporting moth. 
So we did reach out to our, t our Twitter community to oh. ask um, what they thought about You Can Count On Me. And we have uh, feedback from Beyond The Box Set saying, funny, moving, funny, moving and humane, excellent script with career-making performances from Lynn and Ruffalo. Broderick is also perfectly cast. And that's four stars from Beyond The Box Set. Yes, I agree, Beyond The Box Set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the boondoggle says negative stars disappointed Mark Ruffler did not turn into the Hulk once oh boo I, mean, I think that may be a bit jokey easy rider raging podcast uh, it's a fantastic film that most people I know in the UK have not seen and that's a fair point didn't uh, give a rating though. didn't give a rating but I think that would be quite high. We can infer between four and five. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Tom Kelly uh, says, honest and complex human film, exceptionally well written and acted. Love it. 4.5 stars. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Nice one, Twitter. Nice one, Twitter. Thanks well done, for, Twitter. for your report. So I think we'll sound off there, guys. If you can let us know who you are again, where you come from and how we can find you. Uh, I'm Sam Clements. Uh, I talk on the Picture House podcast with Simon and I'm on Twitter at Sam underscore Clements. I bagseated a really hot one with the underscore tag. <laughs> <Lucky> <laughs> Thought I'd just get in there and get the underscore before anyone else did. Uh, and I'm Simon Renshaw. I am uh, Sam's co-host on the Picture House podcast, which you can find on uh, iTunes and SoundCloud and all the other places. And you can find me on Twitter at Cy Renshaw, which is my name. Mm, fantastic. Super. Thank Thanks you very, very much, much for coming on. Thank you very much Thanks for having, for having us. us. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find all of the episodes on our website, flixwatcher.tv. Want to give us your five-star review? Follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter. Big shout out to our editor, Brendan Russell, for all his awesome editing skills. And thanks, as always, to the mighty people for their tunes. <laughs> <laughs>